S-U-C-K. What does that spell? Always and forever. Oh, no. Why do we suck, Caitlin? Well, we're going on a bit of a hiatus. <laughs> no! But also, this is healthy for us. We should do this, and we hope all of our listeners understand. Um, this is going to be our last episode of 2022, but we will be back with fresh episodes in early January 2023. And we hope you have space for us, because we love you. Yes, we need a little bit of a break every now and then, and... Even during the hiatus, we will be recording episodes, <laughs> so you're definitely going to get them in 2023. We would yes. never just stop in the middle of season three <laughs> forever. Like, that's not happening. You just imagine, like, we just randomly stop, and then that's it. This is the last you hear from us. No, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> no, we love the season way too much, and that's exactly why we want to, you know, do it the right way. Especially with, like, these uh, these episodes coming up, too. There's some episodes have some very heavy themes, and we definitely want to give them the respect that they deserve. So we want to make sure that we're being respectful and we're giving it the time that it deserves and the time that all of you deserve. So this will just be better for the podcast, we promise you. Yes, definitely. But this week, we are discussing Return of the Future, the 11th episode of Season 3, which was written by Terrence Coli, directed by Bethany Rudy, and originally aired on the WB on January 18th, 2006. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Whitey yells at the team for not working together and punishes them by taking them to a rundown gym that they will now use for practices and games. But first, the team has to work together and clean it up. Dan gets into Nathan's head about Haley getting pregnant. So Nathan asks Haley if she's still on birth control. Haley admits that she currently is, but she was not on the night they got back together. Nathan gets upset and leaves the apartment. When Nathan and Haley finally talk again, Nathan accuses Haley of trying to get pregnant on purpose. Haley is offended by this because two people are responsible for contraception, and she's not ready to have a baby either. Later on, Nathan apologizes to Haley for how he reacted. And we have great news! Keith is back in Tree Hill! Hell yeah! Keith tells Lucas that he forgave him a long time ago. He also reveals that when he found Jules, he realized she wasn't the person he thought she was. But more importantly, she wasn't Karen. Keith surprises Karen at the cafe, and she's so happy to see him. Karen tells Keith that Andy wasn't the one for her, and that when she was halfway across the world, she realized that everything she ever wanted was in Tree Hill all along. Keith goes to see Dan, and Dan shows him the liquor store footage of Keith buying the same alcohol he received on the night of the fire. Dan is convinced that Keith was the one who tried to kill him. Keith admits to Karen that he was in Tree Hill the night of the fire and that he got really drunk and was full of revenge. But he didn't try to kill Dan. Instead, Deb stopped him and tried to do it herself. In other news, Brooke gets a letter that her designs will appear in the Rogue Vogue showcase in New York and assumes that Lucas was the one who submitted her work. 
Later on, Brooke figures out that Rachel was the one who actually submitted her work. Brooke thanks her, but it's clear to the audience that Rachel has something else up her sleeve. Peyton and Ellie work together to find bands for the Benefit album. They go see Not A Surf's concert, and Peyton talks to the band's manager. During the drive home, Peyton gets a call that Not A Surf is in. Haley James Scott and Fall Out Boy also agree to have their songs on the album, but Peyton worries that Ellie won't be here for the album's release. Karen tells Keith that she doesn't want to let anything get in the way of them anymore, and they kiss. But at the same time, the police arrive and arrest Keith for the attempted murder of Dan Scott. Sneaking into a concert by acting like someone important. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And adding extra cheese to my mac and cheese, (laughs) I'm Caitlin (laughs) Illinich. Hell yes, I loved the mac and cheese callback. That mac and cheese looked good, too. Yeah, it sure did. It was a giant bowl, though. (laughs) For two people. (laughs) For two. I mean, I could eat a lot of mac and cheese. I probably shouldn't because I'm lactose intolerant. But. Yeah. I could eat that bowl. Also, I always wanted to try what Ellie did. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, but but just, like, you know, getting on the phone and being like, oh, my God, like, you know, he needs water at room temperature. Oh, she's with me. (laughs) I, like, I always wanted to try that power move. I don't think that would work in today's world of, like, high security at concerts and things like that. But, I mean, if it's, like, a little band, I don't really know how big Not A Surf is, but it's not like Taylor Swift, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he would be able to get in to sneak in and see Taylor Swift, like, somebody of that caliber. But somebody a little bit more low-key, you you probably totally could. Um, But seriously, like, Ellie was, like, the scam goddess. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's something I'm, I'm just trying to like you to know, pass on a little bit of information I learned from Lacey Mosley, the Scam Goddess, which is a amazing podcast. Um, you know what you can do in order to like sneak into like the VIP section of a club? All you have to do is like uh, you you know those little bracelets you can get, you, those little wristbands you wear at the clubs that they put on you. Yes, you can actually just buy them on Amazon. But would you, you know can, what color they have? Th- 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 I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So you, you so you can get like a big bag of like multiple colors, and then all you would have to do is just like uh, like put them in your purse, like put them you know in, in various colors, and then you go to the events. You see what the VIPs are wearing, and all you do is just slip it on yourself and sneak in. That's pretty clever, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So get inside, scope it out. Choose your color. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> have you done uh, this? More importantly. <laughs> <laughs> I have not done this, but I would love to. And I, I just want to feel like empowered to do so because you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to lose anybody because you, you'll still have to like get it. You'll still have to pay for your drinks and you'll still have to do all that shit. It's not like, you know, they're going to be losing anything. I guess so. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> I'm empowering all of you to do scams. So, <laughs> anyway, this episode is titled after the song Return of the Future by Scooter, which is pure instrumentals and no lyrics. Um, I, I did notice it had, like, a futuristic, like, tone to it, like, very high techno and whatnot, which 
kind of fit with the song, <laughs> like the song title. Um, but I think the better question is, like, what about the song's title and what does it have to do with the episode? What did you think? Yeah, I'm trying to make sense of Return of the Future. So it's like going back in time? Or I can't really figure that out. Can you? It's, it's kind. Of, it's kind of an oxymoron, um, and I don't know what Scooter was attempting by naming the composition this. But how I decided to relate it to the episode is that all these characters have these certain anxieties that sort of plague their past, and these anxieties are affecting their future. So it's like the past is returning, but in the future. That's not like an academic who had no idea what they were talking about, but I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this title is tough. Recently, the titles have, I think, been really good in, re- in relation to the episode. Like, I think we could definitely take the word future and run with that. I, I would agree that a lot of the characters are kind of worried about their future. Like, think about Nailing specifically and this whole potential pregnancy. Um, it's all hypothetical. Haley's not pregnant or anything, but they're worried about, like, what the future could bring if that were to happen type thing. Yes. And I think, um, Peyton also is another example. She's worried about the future, too, because she doesn't want to lose Ellie. Ellie really isn't being upfront about her, uh, medical condition. So, Peyton is kind of left wondering about the future. Right. Well, I mean, she was she was up front in kind of like a matter-of-fact way. Uh, I feel like Ellie, and we could talk about this more later, she's being very, yeah. like, indirect and just kind of changing the subject type thing. Yeah, she did say the cancer was back, but she said it in, like, in such a subtle way where it's just like, okay, like, yeah, it's happening. All right, let's move on. And it's fine. Something else. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's happening and it's fine. Like, she's not really making it a thing. So, yeah. I think the future is definitely on a lot of characters' minds. And and also, another good example is Karen and Keith. They're finally seeing this future together as well. So I don't know if I have much to say. Like, you're right. It is an oxymoron. Return of the future. It makes doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, I'm just going to take that word future and run with it. <laughs> kind of like what you <laughs> <Right>. did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like the the past has returned and it's affected the future. And, you know, like, his, like sort of like history repeats itself kind of yeah. way. Yeah. Especially with the pregnancy. Like the potential pregnancy of Haley. It's like this affected Nathan's parents. And now here it is, like, affecting his future. So it's like, oh, return of the future. Like, this whole thing has been plaguing my life, and now it's returning. Yeah, that, that's a good way. Like, the, psych- the cycle almost continues. Yeah, Like, Dan and Deb had Nathan, and now, like, the potential of, you know, if Nathan and Haley had a kid this young, it's kind of the same pattern, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was our very academic analysis right there. I feel like uh, right now we're that meme with the with the kid who's like yelling at their mom, and the mom is like, you know, covered up in the covers. Like that's those are our listeners right now. <laughs> I don't know 
know if I know this meme. I'm not good with memes, so you've definitely seen it. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I've seen it. You'll have to send it to me later. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> That'll be the first text once we're done with the podcast, and we say bye. Jeremy's just gonna text me the meme. <laughs> if I remember this, we will say. <laughs> There's been a lot of times where we'll, we'll get done record and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. And then I never do. <laughs> it's all good. So, we'll, but anyhow, um, so this episode opens with a quote from H.L. Mencken. Every normal man must be tempted at times to spit on his hands, hoist the black flag, and begin slitted throats. So I tried to look up some backstory to this, but I wasn't very successful. So, my main thoughts about this quote, it's very, very, very dramatic, and I don't (laughs) see why they chose this at the beginning. I just don't think it fits the tone. Do you? I I mean, maybe not necessarily the tone, but I feel like the quote's kind of, like, about uh, self-sabotage, and I really applied it specifically to Nathan and Haley, like, sabotage and, like, what they've been building up, and... You know, Nathan is creating these scenarios in his mind about Haley trying to get pregnant. That's true. So that's one thing. And then, like, you know, Brooke and Lucas, in a way, or more more so Brooke, less less so Lucas, but Brooke is, like, you know, still thinking about all the times, like, Lucas broke her heart, and she's trying to move forward. So, in a way, she could be attempting to self-sabotage by not, like, being honest and opening up with these letters. And she's, like, a little bit ashamed. Like, like what did she say? She said something about, like, getting naked one way and not the other. Yeah, that, that's a valid point. I like the idea of, you know, self-sabotage. I wasn't really, like, reading it that way. I was thinking of it as, like, finally taking action. That was that was how I interpreted it. Oh, interesting. And and we don't know like the intention of the actual quote itself, but that's immediately how I talk about it. It's like you know you're tempted to like begin slitting throats, and you know, you're spitting on your own hands, and then you're gonna start like you know rushing forward to sabotage yourself. I like that. I Thank I you. can also I also still see what I was originally thinking, like finally taking action, like. For example, Whitey, he was fed up with the team and the way they were acting. They weren't being cooperative. So he made a decision and now they're starting at the new gym. (laughs) Right. And I think Karen and Keith are at a turning point in this episode, too. Like, Karen especially, because she's like, finally, I just don't want anything to get in the way of us anymore. Like, I've realized that you mean a lot to me and let's do this type thing. Oh, hell yeah. So that was my that was my interpretation. Cool. This was a very academic corner for the beginning of this episode. Yeah, so let's Anyhow. let's get into it. <laughs> yes, let's get into the actual episode. Okay, wait, I gotta ask before we get into some of the plot points, did you like this episode? Because I know the drama queens hated it. So when I was listening to the drama queens episode, I thought they were being particularly harsh. Um after I rewatched it again, I kind of got what they were saying <laughs> i think the episode is a bit redundant with certain themes with like dan being evil and everything and i know that they touched on that and in, in their podcast Th- this is just an okay episode to me 
I, I don't love this episode, no. I don't love it, but... So I actually watched this episode before I listened to their episode. And I watched it, I'm like, this... And, and honestly, okay, like, before watching it, I had this, like, mentality. I'm like, oh, these next few episodes are kind of filler, nothing really happens, but... When I actually started watching this episode and taking notes, I'm like, I kind of enjoy this episode. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like there's lots of great, uh, there's lots of great bits. There's lots of, like, you know, great conversations. And it's just nice, I feel like, to see these characters talking to each other about their problems. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's definitely some good aspects to it. I think as a whole, though, it's not. It's not mo- not the most entertaining episode to me. Yeah, it's not fantastic, but I found myself enjoying it more than I thought I was going to. Like, especially when, like, looking at it through a critical lens, like we are here with this podcast. Yeah, and I feel like we always seem to have some really interesting com- conversations about episodes that we don't necessarily like as much. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth, honestly. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but I guess we just have to figure out other things to say other than, like, oh! so much this is perfect <laughs> oh my god swoon oh my god zebral <laughs> oh my god late and late all the way <laughs> we're totally mocking ourselves right now <laughs> <laughs> that we are anyway so the ravens are kind of having a losing streak now and the thing i found really funny is that uh nathan scored 22 points and lucas uh scored 16 but Nathan says that he was carrying Lucas. It's 16 points. That's good, right? I don't know anything about basketball, really. Like, <laughs> I know basketball games can be pretty high scoring, I believe. I don't know. I feel like it's decent, I guess, for one person. I don't know. I mean, especially if like the two of them were like the two highest uh, scorers right there. Like Nathan with 22, Lucas with 16. They had zero assists. Which, does does that just mean, like, passing the ball Mm -hmm. to each other? (laughs) It's meaning they weren't working together at all. (laughs) Okay. Like, they were just doing their own thing. And, which is why Whitey moves them to the new gym and gets them to work together to clean it up. The stadium has my name on it, and I'm tired of you all disgracing it. (laughs) Give Barry Corbin more work. (laughs) Yeah, he was good. He was good at this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Barry Corbett, if you are listening to this, and I know you are, come on the pod. <laughs> I don't think I'll even have a chance to like bring this up later, but one of his quotes killed me when Dan walks into the gym and Whitey says to him, or just says out loud, really to no one, I thought I told you boys to kill all the cockroaches. <laughs> that was beautiful. Like, That's an amazing Whitey quote. <laughs> but, uh... One thing that we need to note about uh, some stuff behind the scenes, the only reason, like, they came up with, like, a plot reason to move the characters to a new gym, but in reality, it was because the crew actually had to move to this new gym because it was actually basketball season at the original gym. Yes, so they couldn't go there. (laughs) This is actually kind of a clever reason to change it, but... Yeah, but what I want to know is like, how do they, how do they uh, do it in season one then? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because they filmed basketball that whole, that whole season. Yeah, like, would you say is there more basketball this season compared to season one? I don't really know. 
Season two, there was no basketball. I mean, so far, I, I think, well, I feel like there was more in season one. They really went heavy on the basketball in that season. Yeah, because they were trying to be a sports show, and then they realized that wasn't necessarily their target audience, I feel like. But maybe they filmed season one, like, different time period? I Yeah, I really wonder about that. I have no idea. Hmm. That was just something I thought about when they revealed that on the Drama Queens podcast. I was like, but what about season one? Maybe, like, the filming schedule of it was weird. Maybe they did it at really weird times, like, in the middle of the night or in season one. But, like, that was maybe too much to do in season three, so they just had more flexibility if they just switched their gym. Hmm. Who knows? That's just a thought. But anyway, Nathan really doesn't like the idea of this new gym. And, you know, he's being like a little brat about it. But then he ends up coming around. He is a little brat. And he plays... <laughs> James does a good job of playing a little brat. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> because... <laughs> Nathan, come on, just grow up. I feel like it's the deep voice. It makes us, like, I don't know, not think of him so much as a brat. Because seriously, all he has to do is just talk like, yo, my daddy is mean. And you'll be like, yo, Nathan, I I, I hear you. <laughs> well, his daddy is mean. <laughs> that is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that moment uh, toward the end when Nathan and Lucas have like a nice little brother moment. Lucas shows Nathan the dead spot on the court. Yes, yes. I thought that was cute. And they said, like, see, we could memorize this court. We could make it our own. We could make it our home. And Lucas compared that to the river court, how he knows every inch of that court so well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you have to use use the tools that you have <laughs> to make it work. The yeah, si the situation. Also, uh, one note I want to make about Nathan, like, not doing so well, because I don't know if I'll get to bring this up later. Uh, so Haley is pretty happy because she gets to cheer Nathan up, quote unquote, make him dinner and maybe breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> um, but then I thought that I thought was so funny, though, is that Haley's talking to Brooke about this. And Brooke is like, are you issuing a preemptive scrunchie? <laughs> and... And my thoughts, and I'm like, you know, this is me getting into, like, Braddy's teenage self right here. Like, why don't you go to Nathan's house? Like, why bring him over to yours? Go to Nathan's house where there are no parents and no roommates. But isn't Dan there? But Dan's, Dan's not supposed to be there, at the very least. Didn't Nathan change locks in this episode, too? Wasn't yeah. That a scene? So, I believe so, yes. So... Anyway, I just I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, really? Like, why are you making Brooke sleep on the couch? Like, come on, get out. And how awkward is that? Brooke sleeping on the couch is there in the other room? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Oh, gosh. I, I have been there in high school. <laughs> oh, Not on the couch. I, th there was one time I, I know a couple who... I shared a hotel room with them. They were in the other bed going at it. And oh. I'm just chilling, sleeping. Oh, my. And they did not care. They did not care. Oh, my. But anyway, that's Awkward a story for... turtle! <laughs> no, that's, a... <laughs> that's a story for another never. Yes. Anyway, so Keith returns to Tree Hill, and hell yeah, and I love when he returns, because like initially Brooke and Lucas were supposed to go off together and spend the night, but then Brooke sees him, and she gets, Brooke sees Keith, she gets really excited, 
And then she's like, no, I'll give you both some space. You two have some catching up to do. I just thought that was adorable. Yeah, that was really nice. Because it's so unexpected that Keith's going to show up. Yeah, I just love that she gave them space. I remember the promo for this episode was like, a character returns. And then they showed like Keith with like his face censored out. So you didn't know who it was like the week before. Oh my god, that's corny. <laughs> a character I liked returns. it because I remember... Because I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, who is it? <laughs> Felix? No, <laughs> Caitlin. Like, we, we, we don't want to see Felix ever again. Okay. okay. <laughs> no. And if, if there is anybody in here who really likes Felix, then you're just objectively wrong. <laughs> Sorry I brought it up. <laughs> yeah, I'll dare you bring up that sour spot. Anyway, let's talk about some of these things that happened with Keith. We get an update about Joel slash Emily. He learns that the uh, the woman he found wasn't Joel's, and Emily wasn't who she, who he thought she was. And also, she wasn't Karen. I know, he throws that in there. This was a really nice conversation between Keith and Lucas. You know, and it made me realize that I miss these two characters together mm. truly um we had some awesome scenes with them in this episode and this one when they're sitting on the steps by the river walk um it, it just felt like a real scene to me you know two people who haven't seen each other in a while and i like that keith said that he forgave lucas a long time ago in addition to this revelation about you know finding jewels and realizing that he really wants to be with karen he says to Lucas that he forgave him and he understands like the situation that Lucas was in. Mm-hmm. Like he took some time, he reflected on it. Like, yeah, he can still be upset, but then he realized like, okay, you know what? What if I was in Lucas's shoes? Yeah. He was in a tough spot and he was trying to protect Keith and it, it just didn't, you know, work out the way. <laughs> it was a terrible situation to be in to begin with. So I don't really yeah. know what the right thing was. Um, but he probably, I mean, Lucas, he probably should have been up front with Keith, but Lucas knew, I mean, he's a teenager, so, like, he knew that this was going to hurt Keith, the truth of this. Right. And speaking of the person who set all the Jules slash Emily events in the motion, uh, Keith also has a little bit of a reunion with Dan, and that's quite something. Yeah, so basically, Keith walks in, and he's like, well, I heard you think I tried to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> And then he says something along the lines of like, well, if I really was trying to do it, you ought to be, you would be dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Dan's like, oh, I guess it was a Keith Scott job because it was a failure. <laughs> rich people. Uh-huh. Oh my God. <laughs> I find that all rich people have that same like sense of humor and I'm like, yo, you're not funny. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not funny at all. <laughs> And then Dan proceeds to show the video footage, which it's finally revealed to us as the audience who is on the video, because we have not known that this whole time, the past few episodes. And it is Keith buying the liquor. So Dan's kind of treating that as like a smoking gun. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not 100% factual. So, and, but we do learn when, uh, when Keith reunites with Karen, we learn about what happened. Keith was intended to kill Dan, but 
decided not to because Deb talked him out of it. So Deb took that alcohol to Keith Ball and then concocted her own little plan. One thing that I didn't really understand, how did Deb and Keith, like, meet up? How did they, like, contact each other and why? Yeah, I know. Like, was it Keith's original idea and then he called Dan to say he was going to do it? Did they... He called Dan. I'm sorry. (laughs) Did he call (laughs) Deb? The too many Ds. (laughs) <laughs> Did he call Deb to see if she would help? Uh, I mean, did they both just talk to each other and about, you know, how they would do this? Like, were they scheming together? Um, it's really curious to me. Because yeah. we, we get the flashback of them in the hotel room. And he Keith has the liquor. And then that's when Deb's like, this is not your battle. This is my battle. Don't do it. And then Keith falls asleep and Deb leaves and goes and and does it. And so Keith wasn't, I mean, he bought the liquor, but he wasn't involved in the actual act. Right. So So we have no idea, like, why Deb and Keith, I mean, I guess, like, you know, Keith wanted to be in touch with somebody, like, Deb's the only one who didn't necessarily hurt him. Because at the time, he was so mad at Karen. He was so mad at Lucas. He wasn't going to contact Dan. <laughs> you know? And think about it. Who's the person that's been hurt, you know, as much as Keith or more than Keith? Deb. Right. It's, mm-hmm. Honestly, it's Keith and Deb who have been hurt the most by Dan, I think. Right. I think next up is probably Nathan and then Lucas and Karen. So I, I I get that they that Deb and Keith would work together. But but then see Deb talks him out of it. So <laughs> I don't really know like why they come I together. Th- I didn't really get the vibe that they were ever working together. Yeah. I just think they got together, but I got I, I feel like it just never they never really explains like why they got in touch with each other. So that was just that was just a weird plot point for me personally. But Yeah, it was. Maybe it was just an instance of the writers working backwards and being like, oh, like, let's have Keith reach out to Deb and have this Mr. Actor. I don't know. <laughs> um, One more thing now, because I don't know if I'll get to say it another time. I loved when Keith walked away from Dan and said, you ever touch Lucas again, you'll wish I killed you. Daddy. I know that was intense. Mm-hmm. But also, um, he reunites with Karen, and Karen admits that Andy wasn't the one for her. So they're kind of having a vibe where it's like, hey, you're single, I'm single, but let's not do anything about it. Yeah, so it's interesting to me, because he has that... So Keith has that conversation with Lucas, like, you know, he he realized that Jules wasn't the one for him, and that, you know, Jules also wasn't Karen. So, like, they're planting that seed with Keith separately. And then you see Karen and Keith and Karen fills him in about Andy and like he he's not the one and everything she ever wanted has been in Tree Hill all along. So that kind of sends a vibe too. And then Keith actually says to Lucas at one point, I think this this was when they were throwing the football back and forth or the was it a football? Yeah, so I think it was a football. football. <laughs> They're standing it in the street. It was a sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> and Keith says, 
you know, you want your relationship to move forward. At some point, you got to let go of the past. Start writing a new future. And, you know, he's, he was referring to Lucas and Brooke. But also, you can read into that, that, you know, I think even Lucas said to Keith, he was like, are you referring to us or with mom <laughs> type mm. thing? <laughs> so that's planting an- yet another seed in this whole thing, which this is a big turnaround, you know? Think about it. We haven't seen Keith since season two, and that's when he left to find Joel. So we haven't seen him for almost a whole season. He left in episode 16 of season two. Yeah, so close to a whole season. Yes. The Keith that we know, Craig Sheffer has appeared in multiple episodes, though. Yeah. Because don't forget, the last time we saw him was the uh, alternate reality episode. True, true. But what was my point? (laughs) I don't even know what my point was. I don't know. know. (laughs) We haven't seen Keith for almost a full season, and now... Suddenly, like, Keith and Karen are vibing on each other, like, immediately. Yep, sounds like some seeds are getting planted. And, uh, (laughs) speaking of seeds, which is making me think of orange seeds, which is making me think of this next topic, which is the Rogue Vogue showcase that Brooke is in, because... Seeds are in oranges, and I gotta say, name brand orange soda watch. Er, er, er. I love when you make that sound, it's so funny. <laughs> I only saw one. I'm sorry. Oh, bleep it out. Okay, I'll, oh my god, seriously, we're gonna get, we're gonna get fines. How dare you. Anyway, so... Did you see this one? This is the one when uh when when Brooke opens up her, her letter from Rogue Vogue, there is a bottle of this name brand orange soda sitting on the kitchen counter in the back. No, I didn't see that. I saw it okay. at the school. It was all right. No, don't t- t- explain it. I need to do the er 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 again <laughs> later. <laughs> then you can explain it. <laughs> Because we have two name brand orange set of watches here. So, yeah, it's in the background. That's all. But anyway, not the point. That was a very long-winded way to transition to this topic of Brooke getting her designs into Rogue Folk. <laughs> yes, that really, truly was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she thinks that it's Lucas who submitted her designs. And I don't understand why she thinks it's lucas i feel like that's kind of like a weak plot point like what evidence do you have that makes you think lucas did that for you remember Haley was the one who suggested that because she was like remember what he did with peyton and her artwork oh yeah Haley did say that submitting the artwork so it it just Haley was like that just seems like a lucas thing to do and and brooke was like oh yeah you're right i'm sure he did do this but we find out at the end of the episode when brooke is looking through her sketches and she makes the realization that, huh. Yeah. This is in the coda. We can't talk about the coda yet. It was in the coda? Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> what if there's not much to say about Rogue Rogue then? If it's, if we can't talk about Rachel. 
Well, I, I mean, I, I, there is one that I do want to say about Rachel. I loved the moment because we see Rachel wearing that dress that she made for herself in the last episode. And uh, Brooke confronts her. And it's, uh, I'm sorry, but this is just such dumb teenage shit right there. Like, how dare you wear the dress that I designed? Yeah, it is dumb. I mean, she bought it. So, like. Yeah, exactly. She's gonna like, wear it. Shouldn't she be Shouldn't she be happy? Like, oh, somebody appreciates your designs, blah, blah, blah. Just pinning women against women. Yeah, of course. This show never does that. Mm-mm. But I love when Brooke first confronts her. Did you hear what Rachel was saying? No. I don't think so. So she's she's talking to a group of friends, and you just hear her say, so the guy told me he was 26, but he was really 22. Big mistake. What? Yes, that is what she says. Oh, that is so dumb. <laughs> are, that has that has some liars yeah. coming from a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> twenty-two is too young. That's what she's. In, that's what yeah. to infer from that. Oh boy. Yes, I mean it is bad that somebody like lied about your their age. I guess, but. I, I imagine, like, you know, to give her a little bit of a I imagine she probably lied about her age. She probably said that she was older. The guy probably also said that he was older, but not realizing that she was also younger as well. Oh, man. I, I don't know what to say. That's a lot. I did not catch that at all. <laughs> but anyway, can we move on to uh, the, you know, the, the Brucus of it all? The 82 letters. Yeah, the 82 letters that he is now writing back for her. I think him being, I think him teasing her about the letters is just mean. Yeah, it it kind of is. I see that he's making fun in a sweet way, but it is kind of mean because Brooke was really vulnerable in those letters. Yeah, she's embarrassed by it, yeah. And the fact that she's like embarrassed by it should make him stop. I don't know. Right. I can't say anything in the coda, so... <laughs> <laughs> you break the rules, don't you dare. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, oh, I have the quote written down right here. Uh, the, the part where she says, I don't know why it's so easy for me to get naked one way and not the other. And then Lucas responds, I do. I hurt you pretty bad. I'm not going to do it again. That was nice to say. That was like a nice moment. Yeah, I, th- I think they did have some nice moments in this episode. I don't know. Like, I kind of, I, th- I feel like they had some nice moments, and I feel like they're making progress. But I agree. It is a little, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it is a little mean, but it's kind of like making light of it all. And I know that it, everything has been so um, heavy with them for a long time. Right. So maybe that's like Lucas's way of, I don't know. Kind of me. And he did clarify toward the ads, like, I love the letters. But so, like, you know, if you love the letters, then just be honest and just say you love the letters. I, I, I don't like this idea of, like, you know, whether you're talking about lovers or whether you're talking about friends or anything like that. Like, you know, you don't have to tease each other and, like, roast each other 24-7. You know, you can be kind, and it's okay. Yeah. Too much roasting is not... A good feeling. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like I've experienced that. <laughs> I'm an yes. easy person to tease. <laughs> so I have definitely gotten the brunt of teasing from friends. Yeah, same. And like, sometimes it's like you can take it and sometimes it's funny, but then when like, you know, it becomes overkill, I'm like, you know, can you just say something nice? Like sometimes I like, I want to be loved a little bit. <laughs> can uh-huh. you like say something nice about yeah. me? I know. It's like getting picked on. Yeah. Honestly. You're easy to roast. I don't know, necessarily roast, but just tease. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I've never had the, I, I've never had the compulsion to tease you about something. Really? You're a kind person, because oh. I've been teased a lot by my friends. <laughs> then, then again, there's probably lots, we have over, like, what, like, you 60-some hours of recorded footage of us, like, there, there's probably happened times where I teased you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've never really been the culprit of that. I don't from oh. from memory. No, no, you're a kind person. Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I try. My other I friends try. are kind. They mean well. <laughs> but I'm just really more so talking about the past, like when I was younger. Right. So yeah, I got you. But I feel like as we get older, like we realize, like, yeah, we don't have the patience for that shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you kind of reach a point. It's like, okay, enough is enough. Right. Like, when you make fun of some of my catchphrases, saying, like, oh, I have space for this. Like, oh, Deborah. Like, that, that's funny. You know what I mean? Like, I can handle stuff like that. There's never been a time where I'm like, I am so offended, Caitlin. How dare yeah, you say yeah, that? No. <laughs> no, I think we do a, a good job of keeping it. I don't know. It's it's just, it, it's fun. But it's not in a mean way at all. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> if anything, it's like... I, I, it's like we like we love each other for these things that yes. we do, these little character quirks, and it's like we're just appreciating and your catch with all each your other. catchphrases and your Deborah love. I'll just sit here and shake my head <laughs> because you secretly yes. love it, so that is uh-huh. why. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, Jeremy, you little scamp. You're so silly. That's where it's coming from. I feel like so. Yeah, so I, I def to bring it back to Lucas, I see what you're saying. Now that I kind of relate it to like what I've experienced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would not want to be mocked. It's like he's mocking her for being vulnerable and so I retract what I said earlier. Yeah. It's 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 like especially if the other person expresses a discomfort. And yeah, Brooke is expressing discomfort and yeah, like it's kind of funny, like how, how Sophia plays it is funny. Like, no, don't you dare stop that. <laughs> Like, he could have done it one time, and then that would be it. But, like, he's doing it over and over again throughout the whole episode. So it's just kind of, like, too much. How many times did he bring up the whole thing about, like, oh, the, when the sun rises in my heart? He brought that up, at, like, I think at least twice, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Or some phrase similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing that's brought up twice. Did you see the little uh, stupid callback that Lucas did to Brooke when the two of them were in bed together? Lucas says, I promise next time I do this, I'd be in love. Oh, yeah, that was mean. And then he's like, good that I am. Grant said, what's with the pause? Uh, oh, I'm not even talking about that quote being mean, but you know that was you know what that was a callback to, right? Um, it was season one. It was season two. He said that to Anna when Anna tried to make a move oh, on Oh, yeah, season two. Season two with Anna. Yes, that makes sense. Because he had, yeah. He was no longer with Brooke. It was all the drama with the love triangle. And he had his fling with Nikki. So that's why he said that to, to Anna. 
Yeah, then it's like, oh, like, this is funny. Like, this is a callback to that line. <laughs> yeah, good catch. I knew that it sounded familiar, but I, I didn't think about it too deeply, <laughs> to be honest. I feel like it's funny for us, not funny for Brooke. I'm like, Brooke wasn't in the room when that happens, you know? Yeah, so how would she get that? How would she get that at all? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, that's a good point. But- but yeah, they're, uh, I guess we should note that they have been, like, withholding sex. They're waiting for their hormones to catch up to their emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did Brooke say? I think I wrote it down. Being in love sucks. No no <laughs> sex until our hearts catch up with our hormones, yes. Yes, th- thank you. <laughs> Which, that was a cute thing for her to say. Um, And, you know, I think that makes sense for them to take it slow. They can do whatever they want to do, but I think that's probably a good thing for them. At this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Move into the relationship again slowly and just, you know, let things kind of happen as they do. Yeah, because I, because their relationship was so, like, hot and heavy in season one. Like, it was just like, it, they just jump right into sex. Yes. And now they're like, you know, they realize they actually are in love and it wasn't just a physical mm-hmm. thing. So now they're just trying to, like, make sure that their feelings match each other. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's... A mature way to look at it. Yeah. And it's just one of the things I like about this episode. I like I like the people are communicating. I like when people in relationships, friendships, whatever, communicates. It's nice. And they're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, communication is, is nice. <laughs> yes. It truly is. All right, enough about Brugus. We've been, like, on this a little too long. <laughs> I want to talk about Ellie. Peyton because this yes. is a definite highlight. I feel like all the Ellie and Peyton scenes in all the episodes thus far are just, they're the highlights to me. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get bands to fall in line for this uh, benefit album. And I like that they just like write the band names and the, and the musical guests like on the door. <laughs> I'm like... How do they decide on that? Like, oh, here's the store. Like, it's, you know, it's just empty. Like, let's just write on it. <laughs> That's the theme of the season, right? We have um, Peyton's door and Brooke's door. And now they're writing on another door or on the other side of it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I understand why it's a closet full of anxiety <laughs> because I would have a I would have a bunch of anxiety if I saw writing everywhere on my closet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the joke. Was that the joke that, that Peyton was saying? <laughs> or that the, the Pangle was saying? Whatever. We will never know. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellie sees Not a Surf in the newspaper. So she suggests that they go to their concert to see if they can get like their first band to commit to the album. Because that's like the toughest one to get, you know? No one wants to be the first one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Ellie sneaks Peyton in by being all sneaky and being a little scam goddess. And then uh, she encourages Peyton to seal the deal. And I loved the part when Peyton goes up to the band manager and she says, I have this whole entire quote written down because it's in the running for my favorite quote. I don't think it's my favorite quote of the episode, but I do like it just because of how confident Peyton is. Um, Because the, the band manager was saying, like, we don't... The band doesn't want to compete against itself by being on another record, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then Peyton says, okay, but this would actually be really good for the band because all the proceeds are going to go toward breast cancer research. And besides, what if you guys cared about the label anyway, right? The band has a history of following their hearts and their own creative instincts. I mean, look at their second album. 
when the label wouldn't release the proximity effect. You guys just, you know, you put it out yourself. And you were right. It was a great album. And I'm like, go, girl. I know. And the manager hears that. He's like, oh, you know your shit, okay? I know. That made her, like, <laughs> legit. Because <laughs> she, she kind of proved herself there. That she knew about the band and their history. And because of that, she wanted them to be on the album. Mm-hmm. And then Peyton and Ellie are in the car on their way home. And Peyton gets the call that Not A Surf is in. And we get the mm-hmm. always love plan, Not A Surf song. And it's just yes. like such a happy moment with those two in the car, finding out they got their first band. And it's, oh, I love it. When the music, like, uh, when it gets louder, when they put their arms yes. up, like, yeah! And it's like, always <laughs> love! It's so great. I know, I love it so much. <laughs> and actually, before that phone call, I thought, this scene, this whole scene is really interesting because Ellie was giving Peyton some insight about her birth mother. Yes. And Ellie was talking about being in the hospital and that at the time the policy was, you know, like she delivers the baby and because it's going up for adoption, you know, the baby's taken away. But Anna, Peyton's adoptive mother. The different Anna than the yes. one we were yes. to earlier. <laughs> Brought Peyton in so that Ellie could get, so they could get to know each other. And I thought that was just like a really sweet memory that was shared between them. And that's when Peyton asks about Ellie's cancer and and Ellie is, you know, she says that she got, she didn't get the surgery. She did uh, chemo or radiation. I can't remember which one she said. The cancer went away and then basically uh, the cancer came back but she doesn't make it seem like doom and gloom you know she doesn't indicate that she could be dying or anything or or how serious it is you know i feel like peyton just takes in all of the this information and i don't i don't think she knows how to really process it because peyton asks well what are you doing now and then Allie responds by saying spending time with you yeah, and I guess, I mean, it's, so it's an answer, it's an indirect answer to the question, like, the real question is, are you going to be okay? That's really what Peyton wants to know. Ellie can't answer that, so basically she's just, her answer is she's living life. It's so emotional, oh my god. I know. Honestly. See what I mean about this, this episode, there's good moments. Oh, the, okay. yeah, there's definitely some good moments. I'm just kind of liking seeing, like, friends, mothers and daughters, boyfriends and girlfriends. I just like seeing people talk. Yeah. And communicate. That's what the show, it's nice. At its best, that's what the show does really well. Mm-hmm. You know, has some honest conversations between various people. And, yeah, I love it. It's very beautiful. Speaking of honest conversations, there's a... A slight pregnancy scare between Nathan and Haley. Well, first off, because Dan. <laughs> yes, I was about to say, Dan is putting all these ideas into Nathan's head. And it's unfairly so. I mean, I guess, you know, as a father, if you want to play like a devil's advocate a little bit, um, as a father, I guess, you know, 
it would be the responsible thing to do to, like, make sure your son is being responsible. <laughs> but the way Dan handles it, so that that's one aspect. I can see why maybe Dan would bring something like this up. But the way Dan does it is just wrong. He's just awful. He's, like, just putting it all on Haley, and he's talking about, you know, like, how he had Nathan with Deb at a young age, and I don't know. I just feel like he didn't do it right. If you're going to have this conversation. In contrast, you know, you saying that just made me think about another moment. In contrast to when uh, Karen is talking to Lucas, and Karen says, you're almost 18 years old, and I am almost 36 years old. So you understand, like, why I'm concerned about this, right? Yeah. Like, talking about uh, him and Brooke together. Yep. So... You know, there were different approaches right there. <laughs> so Dan definitely did it the wrong way. Yeah, because he's, like, referring to Haley being in bed, and he was he was so creepy with Haley in the pre- previous mm-hmm. episode. So, like... He's saying that Haley's gonna, like, trap him and all that. Whereas, like, you know, Karen never... She never said, like, oh, Brooke will trap you. She never, she never like, implied anything like that. She did this, like, say, hey, you have to do this for yourself. You have to do what's best for yourself right here. Whereas, like, you know, Dan's like, oh, women with their evil titties are evil. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. He was, like, putting it on the woman. Mm-hmm. Of course he would. And I know the drama queens didn't really like this because, yes, it is a problematic trope to, you know, put the blame on the woman because... Especially, like, you know, in the, with teenagers right here. You know, it's not just the guy who would who would get his life ruined. The girl would also get her life ruined as well. And so, like, I get, like, that trope about it, but this does track for something that Dan would say. This is consistent with his character. And I feel like the way uh, Haley really fights against that and says, like, oh, you really think your life wouldn't be the only one who's affected? Like, what about me? And I feel like, you know, what Haley says is a good, like, uh... What sort I'm looking for. It really counters it. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, she kind of bring Haley brings it back to reality. It's like, wait a minute. I don't want a baby. And, you know, it takes two to tango here. You, we both need to be responsible to do this. So I feel like Nathan went into the conversation and he has all of Dan's thoughts. And it's like blaming Haley. Like, why would you do this on purpose to try to trap me and keep me here? I don't want a baby. This is going to ruin our life. Haley basically just brings that back to to reality. Like, let's let's think about this clearly for a moment. What have I done to show you that I want a kid? Come on now. We're 17 years old. It just goes back to the idea, like, feelings are not facts. Like, Nathan has these irrational thoughts that, like, you know, people keep putting in his brain, and he's just, like, he's obviously very insecure, and he's projected a lot of that on the Haley, but there's no actual facts being presented to him. And, you know, it, it was irresponsible for Haley to not be using birth control. But at the same time, it's irresponsible for Nathan to not have brought other contraception. So, I, you know, come on. It, it's both of their faults. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I mean, the whole thing about Haley not, not being on the pill, though, like, you know... I do not use the pill, but I know the pill's expensive. Like, you know, why would she need to be, or, or I, I mean, there are reasons to be on the pill. I know about that. Like, you can tell I'm such a, I'm such a penis hat <laughs> over here, not knowing all this stuff. Uh, but like, you know, she, you know, she's not on the pill because 
she's not having sex with anybody. Yeah, so she wasn't prepared for this. This It was just yeah, a so, spontaneous thing that happened. Exactly. But how come, like, neither, and, and, and I won't put too much blame on Haley, but, like, how come neither one of them even said, like, hey, uh, condom, how about we, how about we put a condom on? It seems, <laughs> yeah, know? it seems very unlike Haley to do that. Like, there, there, there wasn't a moment where they paused and said, do you have a condom? Like, I don't really, I don't really understand that. Yeah, I don't imagine the two of them being like, oh, let's just do the pull-out method, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's it's unlike Haley's character. But also Nathan should be accountable, too, not saying that, but I feel like that's something that, I feel like both of them should have been in the pause right there, yeah. you know? And granted, it was a romantic moment, they were in it, they probably weren't thinking clearly, they probably didn't want to ruin it by talking about, like, these, like, logistics, but still yeah you know it is kind of weird but regardless i feel like the maybe both of them acknowledge it but you know okay maybe we should have talked about it i think the writers it was really clear that the writers really wanted to drive this the storyline so they were going to write it the way they wanted to see it i guess even if it didn't fully match like what the characters would do I don't know. Like, it's yeah. clearly like they went into this episode and this was like the issue for Haley and Nathan because it lasted the whole time. And, you know, Nathan finally, he, he does apologize, but, and I'm sorry it's the coda, but I'm not going to really dig into it too much. <laughs> he apologizes, but I feel like it's not even fully resolved, this issue. Yeah, the conversation sort of trails yeah. off. But I think th- I think this all just goes to the fact that like Dan can be very convincing and making Nathan believe what Nathan wants to believe. Dan knows what to say, I think, to get under Nathan's skin. I think he he knows his son well, and he knows what's going to trigger him. Dan likes to manipulate, including Nathan, so he knows the strings to pull to get the desired effect. He doesn't want Nathan to be with Haley. For whatever reason, at this point anymore, it doesn't even make any sense, but... Did you uh, notice the moment when uh, Nathan was looking at a photo album, and he saw, and there was a picture of uh, Baby Jenny? Yes. I believe uh, Brooke was holding him. And then uh, Haley's Haley's from afar, she's like, oh, look at how cute she is. And then you see a look on Nathan's face, it's like very subtle, and it's just like, oh no, she's thinking a baby is cute. Oh my god, she obviously wants to have a baby. (laughs) And it's just... You know, it's just, like, one of those moments where, like, you know, if you have, like, a thought in your head, you're going to make it reality if you keep thinking it. I know. And you're going to make it into a problem. It's really true. Um, Another moment where Dan was, like, kind of manipulative to kind of go off topic a little bit. Um, Nathan asked Dan about the whole Oak Lake thing, about how Dan uh, basically tried to pull, like, Nathan out of Oak Lake, which was, like, a really good basketball program, Dan tried to say, like, uh, hold, you'd be a little fish in a big pond, and you could be good in Tree Hill. And then Nathan, like, counters up by saying, like, but that should have been my decision. But I gotta say, the way Paul Johansson played that scene, though, it is very good at gaslighting Nathan, you know? Yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, Dan always has an agenda. And... He doesn't really care what anyone else thinks about that agenda, including Nathan. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. Dan was gaslighting Nathan in this moment because, like, Dan has this goal in mind, you know? 
of what he wants Nathan to be, and I don't think he can really see beyond like his his own perspective of what's gonna get Nathan there. So it's it's a shame that that Dan in this moment brushes it off. Basically, he's like, "You didn't you mm-hmm. didn't want to be there anyway, because you, you would be." Right. I, did you just say this? A, a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On a lighter note, one of the th- one of the things I found to be very funny was when uh, Nathan and, or uh, when Brooke and Lucas were on the other side of the door, listening and said Nathan and Haley argue. Nathan's like, "If you got pregnant, our lives would have been changed forever." Then Haley responds, "Like what marriage?" And Brooke's like, "Oh, she's good." <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh my God! While we're on that note about Brooke, there was another scene between Brooke and Haley, ads. Name brand orange soda watch. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Where was this? Well, didn't you? This is the one you spotted, right? Then did you spot this one? At at the school. The yeah. soda machine. Yeah, it's in the background. And this is sort of the conversation where Brooke thinks that somewhere on some level, Haley wanted to trap him. Yeah. Wanted to trap Nathan. And this, I mean, this sort of thing, like, frustrates me because I feel like a lot of people. I feel like this is something a lot of people do until they go through years of therapy. People try to prescribe, like, a deeper meaning to something that isn't really there. Because I feel like Haley starts to internalize that. Be like, oh, God, what if I did? What if I did want to, you know, to trap him and get pregnant? And there's not always deeper meaning to something. Sometimes you just fuck up and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. As we're talking about this and trapping someone... This makes me think of the season one storyline when Brooke, she th- first thinks she's pregnant, but then when she finds out she isn't, she keeps up the lie that she is. Because she wanted him to like stew with yeah. it, yeah. So it's interesting to think about these those two storylines in comparison. Right. Because in a way, like mm. Brooke was trying to trick him. But in this story, in, in Naley's storyline, Na- Haley was not doing that <laughs> at all. Like, yeah. that was not her intention, from the audience's perspective, at least. Yeah, but Brooke also wouldn't have been able to trap it, because eventually, like, you know, Lucas would have been like, hey, like, it's been nine months, how come your belly hasn't gotten any bigger? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would only have lasted so long. <laughs> so, yeah, she would have told him eventually, but still, like, there was, there definitely was, like, a manipulation tactic right there, which... We unpacked at the time, but I just wanted to... Mm point that out right exactly that's another bad episode with a good conversation (laughs) (laughs) yeah that tends to happen (laughs) season one episode 19 that was uh that's that was one of my favorite episodes i think really yeah all right let's get to this code of of our podcast of our podcast not the the podcast got it Anyway, yes, the coda is the song The Blues by Switchfoot. And it gets kicked off on the front porch of the Row Residence. And that's a conversation between Lucas and Karen. And Lucas is like, let go. Give your heart what it deserves. Talking about Keith. Yes, I'm going to read that quote, actually, because, um, spoiler alert, it's my favorite. Oh, cool. So I'll just read it now. (laughs) If you're always looking for reasons not to be with somebody, then you'll always find them. I guess at some point, maybe you should let go and give your heart what it deserves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, um, that's a really smart thing to say in that moment. Because Karen really needed to hear that. Because for so long, she has been looking 
for all the reasons not to be with Keith. Like it would ruin their friendship. I'm like, these are these are reasons that we as the audience can like assume, like ruin the friendship that they have had all these years. And I don't think she was ever fully wanting to realize what her feelings were, like to admit them. Um so I really like that Lucas was the one to say that to her. Because Karen deserves a lot. It's really true. She deserves to be happy. More than like anyone. <laughs> Honestly, because she's the only Karen sure. who deserves rights. <laughs> Karen 2024. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we are now at the Tree Hill High School and Nathan apologizes to Haley in this moment. It's a very like quick thing conversation, though. Yeah. And like we said earlier, the conversation like trails off. It gives you the sense, like, this conversation is going to continue. Yeah, you hear Haley saying, like, she's not ready to have a baby, but we don't really get much more from that. And I'm kind of curious where where else that conversation went. Yeah, because, and Haley brings up another point, too. She's like, I don't know what what hurts worse, the idea that she think I tried to trap you or the idea of having a baby with me is the worst idea ever. So there's like a, there's multiple things going on. And I feel like that's something the two of them needs to unpack. And it's going to be like a long conversation. I kind of like how that scene was dealt with a little bit. Yeah. Because even if they are, even if they do quash it, even if it does seem like they quash it in the next episode, it seems like there will be like a deeper conversation where the two of them are going to have to move through it together. Yeah, it's true. It kind of like, it trails off and, and leads you to think like what that just, up to your imagination, basically. Yeah, for sure. But in the next scene, we are in uh, the Davis Scott apartments. And Brooke is looking through her through the sketches that were submitted to Rogue Vogue. And then she noticed a sketch of the dress that Rachel wore and made for herself. And, you know, it's done in this like little way where she's looking at the sketch and then you see it side by side with like a transparent image mm-hmm. of Rachel. It's really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but... And then it's like, hmm, what's going on here? I don't know. And then we're in Peyton's bedroom. Ellie and Peyton get excited that Fall Out Boy has now joined the roster for the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but Peyton, she says to Ellie that she's worried that she won't be there when the album comes out. And yep. That Ellie yeah. promises that she will I be. I know. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, holy shit, there was a there was a scene earlier that we forgot totally forgot to bring up. Uh Haley signed on to be on the record as well. Yes, yeah. So we have what well, <laughs> we know so far, not a surf, Haley James Scott, and Fall Out Boy. Fall Out Boy. I feel like there's a few other bands listed on there, but I just didn't Yeah, they don't say anything. Pay attention. Allowed, so <laughs> those are the only ones we care about right now. Fall Out Boy, Haley James Scott, not a surf. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then we're on the tree hill grounds, and then Brooke essentially confronts Rachel, and she's like, you were the one who submitted my sketches to Rogue Vogue. Why? And Rachel's like, well, your designs are good. And then Brooke says, thank you. But then when she walks away, we hear Rachel say, no, thank you. Yeah, what the heck is Rachel trying to do? Sounds like there's a bit of an ulterior motive that we do not know about yet. And I I feel bad because Brooke was like hesitant to say thank you, but she actually did say thank you. And I feel like that's a big deal with her and Rachel. Yeah, 
this looks like a good moment between Rachel and Brock too. Like, oh, this is sweet. Maybe the two of them can become friends. And well, we have our villainous vixen, so. Uh... Yeah, but how nice would it have been if the two of them became friends after this? Like, this would have been the moment when the two of them, like, resolved their issues. It would have been nice, I know. But nope, we have to have women compete against each other because we like that. We like evil titties. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Now we see Lucas at a mailbox, and he is putting in a letter to Brooke. Which is so, so cute that he's going to write letters now. Apparently on the yes. back, he's written letter number one, please do not burn. <laughs> Which is cute. <laughs> and then he looks at it, he just kind of smiles, and he's like, hee hee, I'm funny. And then puts it in the mailbox. And then the big scene, it's at the front door of the row residence. Karen and Keith Kiss! After having, like, a bunch of talk about, like, oh my god, like, you know, I need to stop, like, you know, tricking myself, blah, 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 let's get back together, or let's get together, and then they get together, and then, go ahead, it sounds, it looks like you're about to say something really impactful here. They get together, and then Keith gets arrested. Like, what the heck? Of course, their timing is so impeccable, right? Like, it always (laughs) has been. (laughs) Yup. Gets arrested for the murder of Dan, and Dan watches on, and Dan's like, whoa, 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 twirling his metaphorical mustache. He would be there to watch. I want to know, why does the cop hold a gun on Keith? He does? I thought he handcuffed him. Yeah. they th- There's there's two cops. One of them holds a, gu- holds a gun against him. That is really dramatic. And, it, you know, it just all goes matter, like... All cops are bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure Keith would have willingly went with you, okay? (laughs) And it's like, okay, what else do you have on Keith? You just have his liquor store footage? Like, that really is going to be what seals the deal here? Yep. Interesting. Of course, Karen and Keith finally get together and then this happens. (sighs) But that's the end of the episode. So let's wrap this up by talking about our favorite quotes, musical moments, and our final rating. I already shared my favorite quote, which was what Lucas said to Karen. Right. Um, I want to thank my favorite one, just because this line just completely sticks out to me for this episode for some reason. I don't know why. When Haley delivers the line, your future as a basketball player is totally secure. Your future as my husband, not so much. <laughs> it is a pretty epic line. I feel like this is on, like, multiple previously on, so... Yes, it is. I think you're right. (laughs) So, that's my favorite quote. Yeah, that's a fun one. And a very strong, strong, strong honorable mention when Peyton advocates for herself when she talks to not a serves uh, manager. Those are good ones. My honorable mention would be what Whitey said about the Dan being a cockroach. (laughs) Because I just, I chuckled, like, out loud when I was watching it, so... Yeah, that's mine. It's beautiful. <laughs> what was your uh, favorite musical moment? I loved Always Love by Not a Surf when Ellie yeah, and Peyton are in the car. It's just like a beautiful scene. It's like the perfect song for that moment. Uh-huh. Great moment. Great celebratory moment. And it's the band that they booked, too. Exactly, yeah. And I like the moment it shows that you can feel multiple things at once because they had a pretty heavy moment. Like, you know, Ellie was talking about her cancer and, you know, whether she'll be alive essentially and but yeah like there's still moments of celebration yeah i agree you know so it was it was nice yeah it was a beautiful moment all around and i think the music just made it more powerful 
overall. Yeah. And nice moments like this is why I give it four out of five guys who tell me they're 26, but they're really 22. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shocked you gave this a four. Me too, honestly. Because I give it a three out of five benefit albums. Is this the first time when I gave a higher score to an episode than you? Yes, I think so. (laughs) Or at least this season. This episode is below average, but, or I guess it's right, or it's average, slightly below maybe, but I, I never really give out twos. I'm not that harsh. I don't think you've ever given a two. No, I, I have, but it, it's been a while. Oh, okay. Someone, someone I think there was a two. Us. I can look back in my notebook. <laughs> anyway, um, but yes, I like this episode, and maybe, maybe I just like the idea of, uh, of people talking to each other and working out their problems because I went through a f- friend breakup a few days ago and I'm like, yo, I like it when people talk to each other. <laughs> oh my. So... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm projecting a little bit. Like, you know, reach out to me in a few months <laughs> when I'm over this little, like, you know, rough spell. <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, we'll see what happens, because the next episode is also kind of filler, and we'll see how I feel about that one. And we'll see how you feel about it. Yeah, but we have another really spectacular episode coming up. (sighs) Soon, it's going to be pretty much, like, five out of five every episode. Yeah. Like, these, these next episodes are fantastic. This is when, first time, first time viewers, if you're not, if you're not into this season, just... Just you fucking wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets <laughs> it gets intense. Real intense. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at MissIReads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So... Intense moments. Yeah, Ellie will not be around for the album release. This is so heartbreaking. And to hear that that scene when Peyton is, you know, verbalizing like she's worried about this. And Ellie says, I didn't write it down exactly, but she says she'll always be there. But the way she says it, like, if you know what happens, that she dies, you can kind of read into it like she will always be there. Just not physically. Can Peyton just ever get what she wants and be happy? You know, it is okay for characters to be happy. 
Yeah, there's just so much trauma. And no wonder Hillary left. I Now, <sighs> you know, after rewatching it, it's just like so much trauma on this character. I wish that the Ellie storyline lasted longer for Hillary's sake, for Peyton's sake. It was just such good content. It could have continued. But I guess what makes it so good is that it that it has this tragic ending in a way. And it is, I think it is a good storyline for representation as well, because as both uh, Cheryl Lee and and Hillary have said, like, this episode made, or like, this storyline made a lot of people feel seen if they lost their parent to cancer. Yeah. So it is important, and I do like that representation, and it is, like, amazing, and I'm glad the storyline exists. However, at the same time, like, Peyton goes through so much shit. And she deserves better. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of happiness ever in her story. And it's, ugh, it's kind of depressing. Because, like, Ellie dies, and then she gets shot, and it's just, like, then her whole thing with Brooke, and it's... That she gets a stalker. And then she gets a stalker, yeah. <laughs> Sam. Woo! The other thing I want to talk about, <laughs> because I could not not think about this in this while watching this episode <laughs> i was gonna say can i read what you wrote for the for the bullet point for this moment sure caitlin wrote Haley gets pregnant in season four lol <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though because this whole thing's happening in the same school year she gets pregnant <laughs> a f- literally a few months later she gets pregnant and it's a very well-adjusted pregnancy. You know why? Because they're married, and somehow they're financially okay after this. How did they survive? And their lives did not get affected whatsoever. You know why? Because, you know, Nathan still goes to college. He becomes a big NBA superstar. How did they make ends meet? I, I really, like, truly have no idea. This is one of the moments where you're like, this is a TV show. It truly is. You know what I found very wild about uh, the episode of Drama Queens where they talked about episode episode 311? They were talking about how, like, oh, God, some of these plot lines are so convoluted. Like, the whole uh, Zan Fire plot line. This is becoming too much like Dynasty. I'm like, you think this is convoluted? <laughs> like, do you remember what show you filmed? Like, this show gets batshit. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. For the better, honestly. I mean, I like that shit convoluted storylines, personally. Yeah, you think <laughs> a fire and a murder investigation is crazy? Like, that's tame compared to... <laughs> we, get, we get psycho stalkers, psycho nannies. <laughs> I, you know, I have to say, it's like, as we get into the latter half of the series... Like, as the drama queens get there, like, do they remember some of the crazy <laughs> stuff that goes on? Like, even, like, season nine, too. Like, do they honestly remember? I know Hillary doesn't know because she wasn't there, but... Yeah, she didn't watch it, either. She's been very transparent. She did not watch I it. I cannot wait to see her reactions <laughs> to the stuff that she's not in. That's going to be really interesting. Nathan getting kidnapped by, like, some the cartel or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> I truly cannot wait for her reactions. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like a first-time viewer, but, like, an actress on the show. <laughs> I I love this shit. I love when the show gets wild. Like, this is my, this is my <laughs> jam. 
Yeah, it really <laughs> so. it gets intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's definitely <laughs> my dream to talk about these later episodes. Speaking of which, I've got dreams to remember. And it's the next episode, which is season three, episode twelve, which we will discuss in January twenty twenty three. All right, Karen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, When the Tree Hill High School guidance counselor asks everyone where they're going to college, the answers range from Stanford to fashion school to what's the point. We'll be seeing We'll be ya. seeing ya. I feel like we've really tried to match each other there. I think so. I think we did it. <laughs> and then we'll find out how wrong we are when we edit. Hell yep. yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. See you in 2023. Bye. Happy New Year.